this audience tonight or any audience at any time, what question would, would have a better response if I asked the question that says, who here wants to be a leader or who here wants to be a follower? In most audiences, the leader would probably get more hands than the follower. And so tonight, I want to just talk on this topic. I don't think I've ever spoken on this topic specifically, and that is, what about followers? What about followers? Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you have done, are doing, are getting ready to do, not just tonight, but in the upcoming weeks, months, and years, Lord, in and through the City of Liberty. We're thrilled to be a part of your kingdom, and Lord God, we just want to be everything you want us to be, Lord, so talk to us tonight through your word. Anoint, Lord, everything that's going on in this building, youth services, nursery, children, everything that's going on, Lord, Rock Academy, that you would touch and anoint every person that is doing anything in in any room right now that is impacting the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Does anyone here have a book in your library? Okay. I just figured, I want to make sure you're listening. Everyone owns a book, right? All right. All right. Cool. Good. Some of you will buy you one. Come see me afterwards. I actually have one I could get you. It's I think I'm called. What do I do now? Um, how many of you have a book in your library that solely focuses on following without touching on leadership at all? It just solely is a book on following. Raise your hand if you have a book in your library that's solely on following. We got one, two, okay? Can't count Brother Gleason's follow to lead because that's We got three books on following. All right. So I have a lot of books, tons on leadership. I'm not sure if I have a book that's solely focused on just following. Why is that? Well, society pushes leadership. Leaders are celebrated. Leaders are trained. Leaders get certified. Leaders usually make more money. And I'm thankful that we have people who want to lead. I'm thankful for our department heads, our ministry directors. I'm thankful for the Missouri District leadership. I'm thankful for the United Pentecostal Church International Organizational Leadership. Leaders are integral, not only to church, but also to society, also to the local community. I'm thankful that I live in a community that has leaders in the community. I would never argue that leaders are not important. We absolutely need to train leaders, to equip them, to celebrate them, to empower them. What I would say, though, is this. What about followers? That's not to take anything away from leaders, not to say that all these things I just said are not the case, but what about followers? When speaking of effective followers, the leadership culture of the 20th and 21st centuries are using terms like this, subordinate leaders, second tier leaders, 360 degree leaders, middle management associates. Anyone hear any of these? Some of you are like, hey, that's what I'm called on my job. But no one uses the term follower. I doubt that if you're in management that you'd say, hey, I just put an ad on Indeed or Career Builder and whatever and, and said, is Career Builder still, is that still a thing or no? Okay, it's been a while since I've looked for a job, okay? I haven't been discouraged pastoring. It's been like three weeks since I sent out a resume. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, so it's been a while. So I doubt anybody says, hey, 
looking for a follower, come work for me. I doubt that people would be lining up. Now, if you said, maybe if you said looking for a follower pays $293,000 a year, maybe you'd get people at your door. But typically, people are not looking. They're not going to come in and say, I want to follow. I'm not really looking to to, uh, further myself at all. I just want to be a follower. And that's what we're looking for. You're hired. This is kind of the, 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 this concept. Nobody uses the term follower. Imagine going to that, to that job interview. All right. But, but, but you think of our world. Our world is fo- filled with followers too. One author and speaker on followership puts it this way. He says, follower is not a term of weakness, but the condition that permits leadership to exist and gives it strength. Most people think of Thomas Jefferson being the one who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Yes, that was, a, that was a leadership feat by Thomas Jefferson. Well, guess what? Thomas Jefferson was a follower when he wrote that. As a junior member of the committee, he was assigned the task by committee chairs named John Adams and Benjamin Franklin. No one outside the Continental Congress, except a few friends, knew that Jefferson had written the Declaration of Independence. That fact did not appear in an American newspaper until eight years later in 1784. As a follower, Jefferson lived through all the bells and all the bell ringing and speech making with little public recognition or personal commendation in press for his writing. Jefferson was only 31 years old when he wrote that timeless document. I would say it changed the world. I would say it possibly is one of the most famed and important documents ever written in human history, and it was written by a 31-year-old follower at that time. Followers are the engaged, gifted, and called the servants of God who partner with leaders to accomplish God's purpose. Good followership is challenging, it's calculated, it's costly. Effective followership is deliberate. Like leadership, followership is both an art and a science, but it's also a craft. Followership is not being a coward, it's not being second best. Followership is not just, uh, all right, where the leaders got picked, we're all on different teams, and then who's left over? Just the followers, all right, I guess... Half you go over here and half go over here. That's not what followership is. Without followers, the world would be a place of ideas, plans, theories, and dreams. Anyone ever work for a leader that without you, they wouldn't get anything done? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Just as leaders must study to become better leaders... Followers must work to become followers. Not everyone is a leader. Now, I know that we're raising, everybody's a leader. We're all called to lead. Let's be honest. Not everyone has what it takes to step into the role of leadership. It's not a derogatory statement. But every single one of us is a follower to an extent or in one extent or another. Every person in here, every person watching online, we are all called to be a follower to some extent or another. Some of you just, some of the, you know, some of the kids, maybe some of you even in college, you just started school. Well, when you walk into the classroom, I don't care how big of a top gun you think you are, you gotta follow. 
If you're a star athlete, right, you follow the guidelines of the coaches that rule that sport. Even if we're a boss, we follow our boss. If you run your own business, you follow tax laws. I hope you follow tax laws. Otherwise, we're going to be starting prison ministry out of Refuge Church. We follow traffic laws. Some of you are feeling convicted right now. Jesus touched them. We follow traffic laws. God has called every single one of us to follow. Luke 9, 23, he said to all of them, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and be a follower. Every one of us is called to be a follower to some extent or another. Christ called us to be followers. And then the Apostle Paul looks at the early New Testament church, and look what he says in 1 Corinthians 10.33. He says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. He ends this 10th chapter. He brings this 10th chapter, in, and we say ends this 10th chapter. That's the way it was divided up, but obviously we know Scripture was not written in chapters. It was a letter to the Corinthian church. And so if you continue on, he's saying, hey, this has never just been about me. I'm not looking to just develop my own things and, 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 and get my own agenda. This is not just my thing. He's like, I'm looking at other people being saved. And, and the very next thing he says is, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. It's not about me, because I'm not just in this for my own agenda, okay? I'm trying to save people. I'm trying to make sure lives are touched and impacted. So because of that, let me tell you, follow me like I'm following Christ. In other words, you're called to be a follower, and I can tell you that because I'm a good follower myself. I've said this before. I don't, I pastor this church. I have a pastor. I would never I would never trust a pastor who doesn't have a pastor. Because you can't lead well if you can't follow well. And so Paul, he, he's sitting here and he's saying, listen, be followers of Christ. You be a follower, I'm a follower. I can say this because I know how to follow. This concept of following well is found everywhere in Scripture. Paul talks, Peter talks about it. 1 Peter 2.21, he says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What should we do? We as, as believers, we need to be following in the steps of Jesus Christ. Peter knew this because Jesus once said to him, Matthew 4, 19, he saith unto me, under them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Hey, you want this end result? In order to get there, you need to follow me. And then I will help you be what I've called you to be. John records the words of Jesus in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We could keep going on this, okay? You just a simple word search and you'll find all the follows in the Bible. But I want you to understand that, that, that throughout the New Testament, being a good follower was of the utmost importance. Ultimately, this right here is why a lot of people will not serve Jesus Christ. This is why churches are not exploding with growth all over the nation. Well, because a lot of people won't live their lives 
following Christ. Meaning, I refuse to be a follower. Society has has just celebrated leaders leading, pave your own way, blaze your own trail. And now you're telling me an ancient book is supposed to set parameters in my life. I'm not going to live under that type of bondage. And that's the way that some people will think. And so I want to lead my own life. Ain't nobody going to tell me how I'm going to do it. I'm my own leader and I'm not following anybody. But living for Christ and reaching your potential requires that we be good followers. You can't be what God has called you to be if you're not willing to follow to some extent. And what do we all follow? We all follow Christ. We follow his word. We follow his guidelines. We follow the one source that no matter what anybody says, it's still the only source of absolute truth. And that's what we follow. We follow his word, his spirit. We follow his plan. We follow his principles. Like Jesus said to Peter and his brother Andrew, follow me and then I will take you beyond where you are right now. But that doesn't just take faith. Some some rabbi shows up and says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, I'll take you to places you've never been. That doesn't just take faith. That takes humility. Because You know, when you're the big man on the dock and you're known for doing whatever you do and all of a sudden somebody shows up and says, hey, I'm calling you. And you can just tell, just read the New Testament. You you know Peter was a leader. God couldn't, I mean, he was... He was that type A, I'll just tell you what, yeah, he, was, he was out there. I mean, Peter, you didn't ever have to, he's the guy jumping over the boat. Let me, I'll walk on or I'll stand up. I'll, I'll never deny you. I mean, he was always up front. Peter did not have a shy bone in his body from what we can read in scripture. But Jesus says, you want to go to places you've never been? First, got to be a good follower. Follow me. Was Peter a leader? Was Peter Peter a follower? I would say yes to both of those things. And I would also say that no one can be a great leader if they're not first a great follower. A businessman might lead Monday through Friday, but follow on Sunday. A pastor may lead his or her local church, but follow the parameters, guidelines, leadership teams of a committee or denomination. Since we all spend a portion of our life following, then we must not only focus on leadership, which we do. Our department head meetings, we're going through some things in a book. We're really trying to get better in our departments, personally developing as leaders. Absolutely, that is integral. But since we spend so much time following, let's talk about following. If the church does not have effective followers then how can we have an effective organization? Think about it. When a person is frustrated or disheartened at church, I know that never happens here. We're talking hypothetically at other churches in America. The default response is to blame the leader. I'm not just talking pastor, pastoral role. But if you're in a ministry, well, it's that department head's fault. It's that, it, 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 we tend to just kind of just tr- project onto whoever the leader is in that area. 
in humanity, not just saying Refuge Church. These experiences are often encountered while following and not necessarily leading. When a person's frustrated or disheartened in a church, it's often not when they're leading. It's often when they are following. And so I'm just going to blame the leader. While the leader does have an enormous responsibility and a leader should be held accountable, leaders are not responsible for every element of every follower's satisfaction. Followers have a responsibility to engage, to adapt, to perform. I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing. For, for instance, somebody might come to me, I just, this church... I just don't ever feel connected. In 13 years of pastoring, I have heard that a time or two. But I just wish we did more so that I could be connected. Okay, well, I didn't see you at the Memorial Day picnic. I didn't see you sign up for small groups. I didn't see you engage with anybody to go out to eat after service. So I can't take the full responsibility of you not being connected when the avenues that are there for you to be connected are not being engaged by you. And so we have to go, well, let's look at this together at what a leader can do, an organization can do, but also what the follower can do. And so you look at, even when a leader disappoints, okay, they, this is crucial because leaders are not the only ones who can shape an organization. It's not, every organization has a culture, but the culture of that organization, whether it be a church, an office setting, whatever that is, a family dinner, think about your family dinners at the holidays. There's a culture at that family dinner. For you, if you've grown up in that culture, you're like, this is totally normal until you bring in an outsider. And all of a sudden, they come in and are like, what in the world? At Thanksgiving, you don't eat turkey? You're like, yeah, man, we have tacos at Thanksgiving. That's what we've always done. And they're like, you are weird. Or somebody starts eating desserts before the meal, and you're like, oh, I can't have desserts. And, and if you've done this your whole life, you're like, this is normal. Until you talk to three, four people, and they're all like, no, you're abnormal. And then you're like, wow, interesting. And so it's, it's crucial because every organization, office, family, church has a culture. But the culture is not just dictated by one person. The culture is dictated by a group of people. And healthy cultures established and protected by both followers and leaders. So even if you're here and you're not a leader, understand God has called you to a very crucial, integral part of this church. Whenever we attribute our personal dissatisfaction to a leader, we should examine ourselves to see, okay, what am I doing to follow well? What are we doing to shape the culture? Don't just blame the leader in your ministry or your department, and do this on your job or at the church. You got to look and go, okay, I might not be happy right now, but what can I attribute to me? What, what do I now have the power in my hand to change? Because it's a lot easier 
We've been doing it since we were little kids. We hurt ourselves. Sometimes my boys, too. Like, Titus will fall down. Jude's, like, across the room. He's like, Jude! And I'm like, Titus, Jude's over in the corner. He wasn't even by you. But it's just what comes natural. Like, I'm going to fall down blame my brother. And we, here we are, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, we, we, we still do this sometimes. Fall down. What? You made me fall down. Ryan's in the back of the church. What? He didn't make me fall down. Like, you, this, but we still have that same mentality. And people will say, I, I ended up falling out of church because of the people in the church. They didn't make you fall. You chose. Was it a perfect church? No, there's not one that exists. Perfect leader, they don't exist either. But when we're in love with Jesus Christ and our eyes are are on him, I love you, I'm going to walk alongside you, but you're not going to make me fall. And so we have to, followers must take initiative for their own success. Don't just sit around waiting for a leader to tell you what to do. Some of you are, are getting, you know, some of, the, some of the, the kids downstairs even getting their first jobs. I'm talking to a couple of them that are getting their first places of work. I remember my first place of work. Chances are they're not going to be there for 20, 30 years. Maybe they will. Sometimes people do that and climb the corporate ladder and been at a place for 20, 30 years. But not everybody does that. But I'll tell them, be a great follower. Work hard. Whatever you do wholeheartedly is unto the Lord. Take initiative. Take pride in what you do. Well, it ain't my dining room. Now, if there's a napkin on the dining room, that's your, my dad raised me when I was a server. He would say, Gary, if you get four tables on a Friday night or if it's a Monday night and you have eight tables, that's your small business right there. And so you take pride in what you do, that, that it's not just go back there and chat with everybody, that you come out and go, hey, I want this food to be good. Your experience, when they come in, they're not coming in to have a meal. They're coming in to have a dining experience. And you as a server are helping to provide that for them. And I got that at a young age, and that's why I managed a restaurant. I did the training for the whole restaurant. Why? Because my dad trained me. And so I was able to train other people. And so this is a mindset that we have that when we bring into the church, we say, well, this is, no, this is our church. We take pride in this. We, we develop the culture. We protect the culture of this church. You don't need a title to say I have ownership here. And so the kingdom of God is so much is not so much concerned with our position as it is with our service to others. We find Jesus addressing this with the mother of some of his disciples in Matthew 20. The mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right, and the other on your left. We kind of laugh at this story, but I think any decent mom, you got two kids, Jesus is there, you might ask the same thing, you know? Hey, God, I know you were talking about two places. I have three kids. Could you just make sure that Titus, Kira, and Jude all get like a place right up close? I mean, I might ask the same thing. So Jesus answers and says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Well, no, actually, I was just looking for some glorious place in heaven, not that all the other stuff you're talking about. Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. You ever tell God what you're ready for? And he looks and he's like, nah, you're, you're just not ready yet. 
You're not. You're not. I'm ready. I am ready to suffer. No, actually, you got mad when someone sat in your seat. Yeah, so that, that, you're probably not ready to suffer yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of sarcastic things coming to my mind that I need to get back to my notes. All the excuses I've heard from 13 years of pastoring started coming out right there almost. I had to, I had to stop. Jesus told him and said, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say you'll sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John asked, they were indignant. This goes back to Joseph and the coat of many colors. Like we just, we, we love people who are like aspiring to be something, but then if they start to do that, we don't like them as much. Like, oh yeah, you can do it. Follow your dreams. And then they start climbing the ladder and you're like, they're ridiculous. It's like humanity. It's an ugly thing that we have to be aware of. So they heard this, and Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. What? It's kind of like in the other thing you were just describing about lording over people and having them serve you. That sounded more fun. Because they just ask for a place of power, leadership, and he says, yeah, you want to lead in my way of life? You serve well. And whosoever wants to be first among you must become your slave, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life is a ransom for many. I just wonder how Jesus would look in today's church model. He literally says, I'm here to serve. He's the one that, of course, even back then, they struggled with that. I'm going to wash your feet. You're not washing my feet. Well, if I don't wash your feet, you ain't going to be a place part of the kingdom all right then give me a whole shower head to toe you know peter he's he's that guy but jesus did things with a towel in his hand and he had power and authority but he served again leadership is powerful and necessary but understand that servanthood and followership is also powerful and necessary god does not only call leaders like we think I think we know that. Like, does God call leaders? Yes, amen. But God also calls followers. And that we're not as comfortable saying amen to. If I said, does God call leaders today? We don't like, amen. God calls followers. Uh, yeah. I would say that followers empower leaders equally as much, if not more, than leaders empower followers. Followers can either breathe, breathe life into leaders or they can drain them. Any of you who are in any type of management leading at all, you know that you're probably there because you love what you do. On the days where you go, man, I feel drained today. It was not because you stopped loving your job. It was because there was an individual or a group of individuals who are followers in that place of work that just sucked the life out of you. And you went home and was like, I'm drained. I had to deal with so-and-so. 
Y'all are looking at me like, no. And I know. If you're looking at me too confused, you might be the person. Draining the leader at your job. You never know. Some of you are going to take this, 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 this message and send out the link via podcast to some of your employees. Hey, tune this in. Tune into this. My pastor preached this good message. So what will you be, one that empowers or drains? There's a famous saying, everything rises and falls with leadership. We've probably heard this. There's definitely truth to the influence of a leader, and a leader helps dictate and shape culture. But if everything is solely based on the leader alone, let everyone but the primary leader walk off a job and see what happens to the workplace. This Sunday, we're going to go ahead and get rid of the cleaning team, rock church, guest relations, audiovisual, musicians, no prayer warriors, and I'm just going to come up here and I'm going to have a great message prepared. I don't care if I have the greatest message that God has ever given humanity. It's going to be severely limited without all of the followers, and again, that sounds derogatory, that's not, with all of the people who are a part of a church that go, I might not lead today or in this area, but I serve and I follow and I follow well. And I come up here and people come and visit and go, you have a great church. And I always smile and say, thank you. God's really blessed. Knowing full well that I'm just the person in the lights with a microphone, but I am not doing anything successful if it's not for a slew of amazing individuals who have made it happen from the moment somebody comes up to the door. Everything they see, smell, experience, the conversations they have, the music they hear, the audiovisual. That's why somebody watching online, they're seeing me. They might not know the names of anybody else, but they know mine because my name sometimes comes across the bottom of the screen. But I know that the Church of the Living God, Refuge Church in Liberty, Missouri, is only powerful because of great followers and great teams of people. All a part of a body made up of different people, different callings, different giftings. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I wish that he would give me the gift to do everything well. But he didn't. I, I, I try sometimes, and I get frustrated. But that's... He says he gave us all gifts to do certain things well. That's why a handful of you have come up and talked to me. Hey, where does the church need help? I am not going to take you and go, um, uh, let's see, I need you. Could you go serve over there? I'm going to say, what do you love doing? What do you feel like you're gifted in? What brings joy to your soul? What makes your heart smile? That's what I want to know because that is where I want you. Because if you're serving in the area that you are passionate, that you love, then it, if you don't love clean, I'm not going to ask you to please go clean. If you don't love kids, oh my goodness, please don't go teach my kids. We want you in the areas that you're 
gifted and that you're called. And sometimes you might stretch a little bit. I got stretched a little last Saturday. If you missed the Ignite service, Daniel Bernard is here. He's, he's like the greatest in-person drummer I think I've ever seen. The guy does like general conference, drum covers, YouTube training, and he gets done preaching. He's praying for people. Tim's out rendezvousing on vacation. He's not here. And, and so he's not here. And Caleb Gleason's standing here. And of all the things at an altar call, the kid's praying. I'm like, so my wife looks at me and she goes, go play the drums. And I'm like, we've all been given gifts to do certain things well. Now I'll jump up here to keep a beat. But I'm like, Daniel Bernard and Caleb Gleason are here. Like, I don't really want to jump on the drums right now. But I said, Lord, stretching me. Here we go. Maybe the spirit of Daniel Bernard will come upon me. I got in there. It didn't, but we kept, but we kept, a, kept a beat. But God's given us all certain things to do well. And some of you are leaders. Some of you are not leaders. You will be leaders. Some of you will never lead a group of people. And in our day and age, that sounds so like, again, derogatory. Like, you don't believe me? No, if you are aspiring to be a leader, I'm going to do everything I can to help you become the leader God's called you to be. This is not my limitation upon what I see in your life. But if you're saying, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be a leader. I don't see myself as a leader. You don't have to live in shame and I'm just not like everybody else. I don't get celebrated like them because I don't get in the spotlight and lead like they do, which not all leaders are spotlight people. But if you're saying, I don't ever want to be a leader, I'm not interested to be a leader, that's not my calling, you are still an absolutely amazing, integral, valuable person. Not only in the kingdom of God, but at Refuge Church in Liberty, Missouri, because we believe so strongly in church health. I don't focus much on church growth. Every, everywhere I go, conferences, seminars, church growth conferences. I'm not concerned about church growth conferences. I'm concerned about church health conferences. Because if the church is healthy, growth is going to take place. I don't have to try the gimmicks of growth. When you're healthy, you grow. That's the way God created it. You look at a child, child starts growing, the child's healthy. Plant a tree, water it, good dirt starts growing, it's going to bear fruit. It's healthy. And that's why he says, he looks at that tree, it's not bearing fruit. I cast it down, wither it. Why? Because God's like, if something, if I've made something, if I come into something, it's healthy, it's going to grow. So for us, we're interested in health. And there's, health is a direct result of healthy culture. And so culture is developed, not only by me in a pulpit, certainly it is. Certainly, I play a role in that, I know that but it's by every department head, administrator, director, volunteer, every person that says, I'm not a leader and I'm a, not, I'm a follower, you develop the culture and protect the culture of Refuge Church. And for that, I'm grateful. So what you do if you say, I'm a follower, don't say, I'm a follower. You look up and say, I am a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first and foremost. And secondly, I'm a follower of whatever ministry director, department head, I, I'm here to serve. I'll follow what, what the guidelines and the vision that they lay out. And my, my goal is to take that person's vision and to, and to elevate that vision, to make that vision my own vision, and I'm going to follow well. Why? Because everything I do, I'm going to do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. 
Would you stand to your feet tonight? And I just, I just want to end by just finding a place to pray tonight. Why? Well, because it doesn't matter what level of leadership you're at, we're all called to follow to some extent. And so I, I, I think that we could say, God, I want to find a place to just pray. And just say, how can I improve as a follower? We'll take the leadership classes and lessons. We'll talk about those later. We're, tonight we're talking about just being a follower. Lord, how could I follow well to make the ministry that I'm in a better place? Maybe you're not in a ministry and God's dealing with you right now going, it's time, to, it's time to follow the vision, get involved with somebody and follow someone else's vision. Because God has a plan for your life. And it's not only to follow him, but it's to follow in these different avenues and areas. And if you ever want to be a great leader, you, you got to know how to follow. But at the end of the day, we're all called to follow Jesus Christ. And that at times takes putting my own will down, my own ideas down, submission to my King, to my Savior, to my Creator. And if you've never learned about submission, it's the best definition I ever had, heard was this, being asked to do something you don't want to do. And at times, God's going to ask us to do stuff that we're like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. He's laying on my heart to give a tongues and interpretation. Yeah, nah, I'm not, yeah maybe, maybe a different day. Look at who's revered. Chances are you talk to department head, they're awesome. Our leadership team's awesome, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I look out at Michelle, 13 years working together, there's stuff I've asked her to do. She's like, you're wrong, I disagree. But you know what? I know she'll tell me what she disagrees with, but ultimately if I'm like, we need to do this, I know that she's like, you're the pastor, and I want your vision to be my vision. I disagree with it, and here's why. And I appreciate that. And I can ask for that because there's a pastor in my life that if he calls me and says something, even if I disagree, I will wholeheartedly submit to my pastor. There's this beautiful thing of spiritual authority. And it's a covering, it's a protection. And I live under it. And so tonight, I just, I just want us to find a place to talk to God about being a follower a follower of him, a better follower of whatever area we are in in our lives and say, God, how can I follow well? How can I improve as a follower? Let's find a place. You have